are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to church. I'm Timmy Riggs. I'm one of your pastors. If you're online, we love that you are here with us. If you're in the room, obviously, we love that you're with us. Maybe you're even watching at a later time. It's just as valuable. Uh, I am actually stepping in for Pastor Rick today. Pastor Rick is incredible. He let me borrow his shirt. Um, So thank you for that, Pastor Rick. Hey, this last year was tough, and uh, getting to watch Pastor Rick as he continued to just love people and to care uh, blew me away. For me in my life, his loudest sermons truly happen in the week, and uh, he's a great human being. I think he's one of the best, and we love him and Annette as well. So yeah, let's give it up for Pastor Rick. It's, it's the summertime. I love summer. I love Memorial Day weekend. It kind of is the inauguration of summer, and uh, so I'm excited that it is summertime. You guys look great. We here are passionate about becoming more like Jesus and helping others come to know him. So we talk a lot about Jesus. We believe that he makes our life better, and he makes us better at life. So we're going to dive into some of his words today in uh, John, John 13, 34 through 35. 13 through 34 through 35, just two quick verses. Don't worry, we will uh, read some other scripture throughout the morning as well. But what's happening here is Jesus is getting closer to the end of his earthly ministry and his life. And he has just had the Passover dinner with the disciples. Now this is also for us known as the Last Supper. And this is a spot where he breaks the bread and he drinks the wine with his boys and he just says, hey... You know about the Old Covenant. There was this old way of of trying to restore relationship with God, living into the law, sacrificing animals, trying to atone for our sin. Well, right now, I want to let you know, we are stepping into a new covenant. And after that, he then goes on to tell them, hey, where I'm going, you can't come right now. I'm going to be in a different realm. But the great news is, there are parts of that realm that you can bring right here into your reality. And so he gets in to verse 34, and that's where you can follow along. He says, a new command, not recommendation, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Why, Jesus? Why is this so important? Because by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Will you pray with me real quick? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Help us to, to dive into it, to learn maybe more about you today and what it looks like to live into this love. And though it was a little chillier, thank you that summer is here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, my wife and I have been married Five and a half years. So you guys are like, that's cute. But um, we've learned a lot, right? And I said it a couple weeks ago, but today, today, we are 17 days out from meeting our first baby, our first child. Yeah, we're pretty excited. Uh, I have a picture. There she is. You guys get to see me a lot. But uh, that's her. She's incredible. She's been coaching me on how to put my hand on her belly because often I'll like palm it like a basketball. And she's like, don't do that. Just 
simple, you know. Uh, but, but that's her. She's amazing, the backbone of, of truly our marriage, of who I am. And uh, we've been married five and a half years. That wasn't in intentional. It was planned. Because we knew that there was a lot for us to figure out. Then when we first got married, uh, things, things were exciting, but we knew we were going to have to figure out who we are and how we understand each other and how we love each other, right? So Pastor Rick, a few weeks ago, he brought up uh, something really important for us to remember, that in life, there's an A zone, a B zone, and a C zone, right? Do you remember? Everyone remembers that, of course. So the A zone is things are really good, okay? Life's great. It's something new. We're excited. From there, you go into the B zone. This can be a struggle. This can be problems. But if you don't drop down into the Q zone, if you don't quit, you're going to get to the C zone, which is the payout, right? So five and a half years ago, we are at our wedding day, and it's the A zone. It's exciting. We're, we're inspired. We say a lot of nice things to each other. And then we go on our honeymoon, and it's, it's more excitement, more fun. And I was really dumb. So when we get back, I think that's all it's going to be, right? But when we get back from our honeymoon, it takes approximately 43 hours for us to step into the B zone, okay? And let me tell you the story so you can choose sides. It's a Monday. We get back from the honeymoon. It's a Monday, a real Monday, right? Like, oh, Monday. It's like it was a real Monday. My wife at the time was a kindergarten teacher. That enough puts me right in the Q zone, okay? You say kindergarten teacher, I'm like, I'm out, okay? But she was great at it. It was a Monday morning. That means she's out the door at like 6.45 a.m. I, however, was finishing my fifth year of school. I wasn't a doctor. They just loved me over there, okay? And so my schedule in my day was a whole lot easier. I I I've got a class at 11, so I wake up at 10.57 and stroll in. And I got another class at 1. Of course, she's working and wrangling cats all day, right? But I have a buddy who calls and he says, hey, do you want to work out at three? And I was like, that's great. I like to work out. Let's do it. So we go work out. I know that she gets off around five-ish, but I'm like, it's okay. We'll, we'll make it work. And I was really selfish at the time. Still am, but was way more selfish then. So we're working out. I come out of the gym. It's around five. My lack of inexperience looks down at my phone. I know cell service was bad. I see three missed calls from my wife. I think, oh my gosh, she can't wait to hear my voice. She is so excited to, to, to talk to me. She's been missing me all day. I get it, you know. Let me call her. So I call her, and she's like, hello? I was like, hey, hey, I, I was working out. She's like, okay. I was like, how was your day? Fine. Uh, okay. Um, do you, you got any dinner plans? She's like, well, I really thought that maybe since you had nothing to do all day, you would figure that out. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay, I'll be home in a second. We'll figure it out. Now, I get that phone call today. I'm going to Chili's to go. I'm going, getting a card from Target, flowers. And I'm coming in with Navy SEAL type awareness. All right. It only took five years for me to learn that. But at the time, I walked through the door and I'm like, here I am. What are your other two wishes? Right? And she's like, are you serious? I was like, hey, uh, all right, let's start this over. You know, um, good to see you. Yeah. How was your day? Fine. I already told you. Okay. I was like, okay. 
did you think about dinner? She's like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, didn't you? I thought you had figured it out. At this point, I'm, I had figured it out. So I was like, hey, is something wrong? <laughs> and she was like, are you serious? I was like, I think I am. I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. And she was like, if you don't know, right, we've all, maybe you've said it. Maybe you've been there. I'm not picking on genders. This is, anyone can say this. If you don't know, that's part of the problem. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That's why I asked. I'm lost, right? I go outside. I call my parents. I'm like, we're broken. I don't know. I don't know what to do. They're like, honestly, you guys lasted longer than we expected. <laughs> well done. And so we had to figure out how to love each other. We had to figure out and understand how we operate with one another. There's the five love languages, you know, act of service, quality time, touch, uh, a couple others. I don't know. And, and we figured mine out real fast. Touch me, touch me again, okay? We were good to go. Hers, quality time, a whole lot harder. But eventually, we figured it out. It took some time, but we realized we had to have an understanding of what our love was going to look like with one another. So why do I bring that up, right? Show you that I'm a loving husband, yes. But to also say, I think our culture in general well, likes love. It loves love. We love the idea of love, right? I mean, you don't have to look very hard. Every movie has some kind of love theme in it. Uh, there's books about love. Sitcoms are all about love. Songs. I looked up. There are over 100 million love songs recorded, right? Big businesses, they'll, they'll take on huge marketing strategies around love. Political campaigns, they will focus on love, how to live out this idea. And then finally, we place immense value on tiny pretty rocks, all in the name of love, right? So our culture actually is, is pretty infatuated with love. So you have to ask yourself, well then, what's the problem? If we all agree love's important, what's the big deal? I think the problem is we can't necessarily all agree what this love looks like and how to live it out. See, if I walk into a room and you walk into a room and we have different understandings of what love is, we could have a problem. We could walk into calamity. Wars have literally been started because the understanding of love, it was different. But at least like we're halfway there. We kind of understand that it's important, right? And it was actually extremely important to Jesus. So important that he says, hey, when you love each other, and he's, he's talking to believers, disciples. He's, that's how the world, that's how everyone will know that you follow me. Oftentimes we want to maybe complicate this and, and figure out some of the codes and the expectations of what it means to be a Jesus follower, to be a Christian. But to Jesus, it seems that the most important test of whether day in and day out we are walking with him, beginning to look more like him, is how well do we love each other? Not just the world, the culture. That's all, it's clear that's an issue. But how well do we as a church love each other? Because that's how the world We'll see Jesus. And so if we're all honest, it could be like, hey, you know, Jesus, we, we do like this, but it's, it's tough. Can we have a little bit more clarity? Well, it's a good thing you asked because 
There was a guy named Paul who, who had an experience with Jesus that was actually so radical, so important to his life that it changed everything, even changed his name. And Paul then has a church that he plants and begins to lead in Corinth. And they actually, wouldn't you know it, have the same problem we do, figuring out what it looks like to live into this love. It's just part of the human condition especially since error, wrong, and sin has entered the world. We've got to figure out how to do it right. And so Paul's saying, hey, you guys get the idea of what maybe this love looks like, but I really want to hit it home for you. So if you'll go with me to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7, I'm going to read it for you. It's, it's summer, so if you want to close your eyes and listen, you can. If you, you want to read it on the screen, no problem. Uh, it, it's, it's some beautiful language from Paul. It's wedding season, right? So there's a chance you've maybe already heard this this year. But here it is, 1 through 7. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I've, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but I have not love I'm nothing if I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love I gain nothing but here's some positives love is patient and kind love does not envy or boast it is not arrogant or rude it does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And here's where we're going to hone in the next 15 minutes or so. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So let's break it down. The first attribute is love bears all things. Well, what do you mean, Paul? What are you trying to tell your church? What are you trying to tell us. Well, one of the fun parts about reading scripture is the way that we get to interpret it, to, to do some word study. And, and again, another fun thing is oftentimes a word in the Greek might take multiple words for us to truly understand in English. And so this word bears, beareth, it would have been used to help kind of be synonymous with this idea of, of love covers all things. Love, uh, love is like a cloak. If it's starting to rain, Man, you throw a big rain jacket on, that, that's what love is. Love is like a roof. And I love how the Passion Translation says it. It says, love is a safe place of shelter. It's a, it's a safe place of shelter. I, I, one of my biggest fears is lightning. That's basically it. And when it starts lightning, man, I am 4.440 inside, right? Like I am in there. Why? Because when I get inside, I relatively... A pretty bad storm can come along, and I, and I feel good. I feel safe. Paul is saying, that's the way we should love each other. This is kind of a moment where maybe you're at coffee with, with another believer, and maybe it's someone from your Sunday school group or your small group or someone maybe you just met in the lobby, and, and maybe they're just kind of opening up, saying, hey, here's what's going on in my life. It's, it's tough. The opposite of being a shelter is we go out, and you'd be like, did you hear about... John and his marriage, he told me all about it at coffee. Let's bring it up in small group at prayer so I can give you every detail, right? Paul's like, no, 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 no. We're the type of people that we sit with John. We, we figure out, hey, how can I walk with you? Uh, maybe this is something you guys have caused. Maybe it's something that's come against you. Nonetheless, 
We are the type of people that are going to be a roof for you. We're going to be a safe place, a shelter. And so then when you do go out, hey, what's going on with John? You know, we're walking with him. We're praying with him. Let's just, let's just keep covering them. Cover them in prayer. Cover them in confidence. Let's just be there for them. Let's be a strong shelter. I, I think that's encouraging, right? That, like that's better than the alternative for sure. And I know it's easy to stumble into that other side. Sometimes it's easier to kind of rehearse someone else's problems because it makes me feel better about my own, right? Like, I don't have to then focus on actually the things that maybe God is calling me to work on instead if I'm pointing out someone else's, but Jesus makes it pretty clear, right? Hey, don't worry about the speck of sand in your neighbor's eye when you have a plank in yours. Like, what a ridiculous metaphor, right? But apparently Jesus was seeing it enough that he needed to state it, make it clear. We're the type of people we are. We build a roof for others. We protect them. That's who we are. From there, Paul lets us know out of that, love believes all things. You're a roof, and then you start to believe all things. And, and that can be interesting, too. You're like, well, really? There's a lot of information out there. We've got to believe it all? I mean, you know, I mean how, how's that even possible? And it's like, no, no, no. Actually, what's happening is the Corinthian people, they were actually becoming pretty paranoid of one another. They started to maybe have a lot of mistrust and were actually starting to compare and, and get jealous of each other's spiritual gifts. And so Paul's saying, hey, hey, that's, our, that's not who we are. We're people who, 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 first and foremost, we put trust in each other. We're not just trying to see what's maybe wrong with someone. Instead, we're going to look for the best in them. That's exactly how the... Passion Translation says it. It says, for it never stops believing the best for others. That's how we live out love as Christians. I love John Maxwell, a former pastor, leadership expert. He says for a long time he kind of lived this type of way where you had to earn his trust. You had to earn value from him. He's like, gone are those days. When I meet someone today, they've got a 10 right over their head. They're as valuable as they'll ever get with me. I just choose to look for the best in them. It, it reminds me of maybe when you're, when you're a kid and, and you're going through sports and a coach maybe says, like, hey, I believe you can do it. Maybe it's something you've been struggling with in practice. And they say, hey, I really believe you can do this. So often it's, it's, it's not necessarily the fact that he knows that you can do it, but it's maybe just the belief that you can. And that pulls something out of you, right? It's that, you know what? I, I, I might be able to do this. He, he believes that in me. Trust is definitely risky, but the alternative is that you get to pull out of someone maybe something they never saw before, right? And it can be pretty simple. Hey, I believe God has good plans for your life. You don't even have to be prophetic about it, right? They can be like, oh, what, what kind of plans? Ah, it's between you and God. <laughs> Why don't you guys work that out? But I just believe that God is going to continue moving you forward. So we're a place of shelter, and we just believe the best about each other. You got two options. You might as well go that way. Thirdly, it hopes for all things. Love hopes for all things. This is a spot in life where, man, you continue to kind of mess up or make a mistake. or This is the moment where maybe our culture chooses to say, hey, you're canceled. How many times are you going to do this? You're done. I'm washing my hands of you, right? But as a Christian, within the church, in our community, 
We're the type of people who say, hey, no one is too far gone. We're going to continue to believe that God has something more for you. This isn't necessarily just refusing to face reality. But rather, it's the refusal to take failure as final. We're going to be a shelter. I'm going to believe the best about you. And I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep hoping that your marriage is going to be transformed. I'm going to keep hoping that your family is going to live into forgiveness. I'm just going to keep hoping. I, I, I might as well. So I'm just going to keep hoping. And then lastly, it just never gives up. When we're doing these other three well, maybe it's in a Sunday school, maybe it's in a small group, or it's through serving, and it's just, hey, hey, no matter what, when you come in here, when you walk through the doors of BFC, or I meet you in a restaurant, or I see you at work, man, you're protected. Being around me, it's in a place of shelter. And, and I just want you to know, I'm always believing the best about you. And I'm always hoping things are going to turn around. And, and almost just as an outcome, it just pulls out of you this desire to never give up. I just, I'm just never, never going to give up. Can you imagine, you know, just on an individual basis, there's some people that are maybe popping in your head, you know, oh, so-and-so's like this. Oh, they're, they're always like that in my life. Can you imagine if, if individually we began to live into this? And we were the kind of people that when people, man, Tim, I just, when I'm around him, he just, he just makes me feel safe. You know, I can talk to him. I can call him. I know he's not going to air my dirty laundry. He, he's always reminding me about the best parts of me. He's always hoping. And he's never given up on me yet. And then as, an, as we're all doing that as individuals, it's not going to take long before everyone begins to notice, well, oh, that, that's just their community. That's just who they are. And this, is, this isn't just a good idea. This is actually told to us by Jesus that that's how it works. That, hey, when you love each other as I have loved you, other people will take notice. Things are going to change. So I'm getting close to, you know, docking this boat. So let me take a seat, talk to you from my heart. I really love Rick. I do. You know, maybe, uh, maybe this sermon has encouraged you. I hope that it has. You know, as I was working on it, it encouraged me. But then also as I'm working through it, I'm like, God, uh, I can't preach this. Uh, I'm going to be a huge hypocrite. And as I just continue to work on it, I'm like, this is impossible. I can't. Literally, I mean, Monday, I probably did all this stuff, but then I knew I was preaching, so I had to be good, right? But God, I just, I don't know if we can live into this. And, and, and through that prayer, I, I feel like God, one, revealed to me, oh man, you're right. You can't. I'm like, God, it's impossible. And he's like, yeah. But then he also reminded me, that nothing's impossible with him. And it's not a cliche. Like, like, it's not just a churchy thing to say. Like, it matters, and we say it, because throughout time and throughout history, we've seen it happen through Scripture and through our own lived experiences. And so, right there, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, thank you. And then, and then it was another reminder where he was like, hey, 
a lot of times you, you'll focus on the to-do. And I've just given you 20 minutes of to-do, so don't write that off. But like you, you're focusing on the to-do. What if instead you focus on what I've already done? How about that? This is a love not enabled by effort, but a love enabled by grace. And so he looks at us and he just says, hey, instead of focusing on you trying to be the shelter, instead of you trying to always find the best in others, trying to not hope to never quit, why don't you remind yourself that that's who I am? That, that for years, that for centuries, thousands of years, we, you were trying to atone for the sins and the separations and, and you were sacrificing animals and trying to use their blood to cover for your sin. Let me remind you that I have covered you once and for all. It is final. I am a safe place of shelter for you. Why don't you lean into that first and foremost? And, and let me remind you that when I look at you, I see the best in you, believer. Oh, not because of your effort, but because when you're in me and you lean into me, you are hidden in me. So when the Father looks at you, he can't be any more in love with you than he already is. You are seen as righteous and perfect because of what I have done, not anything you have done. And I will never stop hoping that one of my lost sheep, my lost son or daughter, are going to find their way back to me. And just one more reminder, when I stood on the hill of Calvary, I'd... I told the Father, hey, if this is what it takes for the entire world to be redeemed and restored through you, then, then not my will. Let it be yours. I'm never going to give up. I'm going to keep moving forward. So, so what we have to do, ironically, is actually not necessarily the things I just stated, but, but lean into what Jesus has already done. And time and time again, we see that he is faithful. An outcome will be that we bear fruit, that we begin to live that type of life. But, but if we're just trying ourselves, it's not going to take long before we're just noticing the flaws and the problems and the issues. But if we lean into Jesus, oh, I think we are given the grace to be able to live this out. And so we're going to sing another song. And as we always do, we have beautiful altars up here. And it's between you and God. We're not counting heads. This is just, hey, God, I'm, I'm coming. I'm laying this down. Maybe it's been a lifetime that you've been with Jesus. And maybe you've just come off course a little bit. And it's fighting what I can do instead of leaning into what he's done. And so I encourage you to maybe pray here at your seat and just say, God, I, I want to I lean into more of you. Or maybe there's someone on your heart. You said, I, I don't want to give up on them. I, I, want, I want God to bring them closer to him. I want them to encounter Jesus in a real way. We'd love for you to pray for them as well, wherever you're at. And then finally, maybe you're here today, or maybe you're online, and you said, I've never leaned into that love before. And so I just want to invite you into a, a love that is covering you. It's free grace. He is passionate and adamant about restoring relationship with you. It's a life of freedom. So as we go on to worship, I just invite you into that time of prayer. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.